Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is so great to be here this morning and and have a pastor here uh, to bring his anointing and keep his wife, Allie, in your prayers. She's been a little under weather this morning, so uh, pray for them. But what an honor it is to come up and and stand in, in a place where our pastor stands and bring us that word all the time. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue our, our, our series about the seven spirits of God, and I get the, the spirit of counsel. And this last uh, weekend, as I've been, if I struggle with breath, um, just got over the walking pneumonia, and I'm, I'm still uh, getting my breath back, and so I thought the best way to do that would go to hunting, and <laughs> You know, I don't chase them. <laughs> I sit and I wait for them to come to me. And uh, but as I was driving there, I passed this this big dairy farm, and and there were some that was out grazing, and and some were fat, full of milk. You could tell that uh, they would be needing to be milked soon. And I saw this extra, you know, big one, and and I thought, man, that that one's that one's pregnant. And then on the way back, I went past same barn, and I, and I think I saw the same one. And was skinnier, and then I saw the little little calf there um, coming over, and I never realized. Do you do you know what they call a a, a cow that just had a baby? Decaffeinated. <laughs> just making sure you're awake. Get the cheesiness out of the way, right? <laughs> and uh, the, the spirit of counsel said, "Hey, t- tell it first. Get it over with." Um, <laughs> But um, but it was really great. I got my first buck, uh, and so I was really happy, and I, I took it and went to buy a cup of coffee with it, and it didn't. Uh, it cost more than a dollar. It cost more than a dollar. Um, yeah, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> We're going to start off in Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and this has been shared um, each time. And several verses as we go through. You'll, you'll probably see a repetitive from, from when Pastor kicked us off, and, uh, and then the last two messages, and then, then today. But Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Now, in your, you write it in your notes, make a mental log that, that if you can go back and read this whole chapter, it is just full of prophecy and, and nuggets that, that you will be reading through and think, wow, 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 that this happened, this is happening now, and this is going to happen. You could read towards the end of it, and you'll find out where it talks about uh, the signs of the coming of the Lord. And one of the signs is the, that the Euphrates River will start drying up. And if you Google, is Euphrates River drying up today, you'll find that this once great, wide, massive flow of water has dwindled down to something that you can just walk across and at some points go like this and reach across. There's not much other Euphrates River left. And a lot of different causes are from that, just so when you read it and and Google it, you'll you'll see it. You know, when you see prophecy, it'll give you what's going to happen. 
and then sometimes give you a little pathway on how that's going to happen, with God's plan, how God is going to fulfill it. Other times, it is like Jesus when he was in the temple and, and he was talking to him and he said, hey, this temple is going to be torn down and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. They had already spent almost 50 years building it, so they're like, what? Y'all, dude, you're crazy. How can you and you alone rebuild this temple if we destroy it? So what he said was definitely true. How it was going to happen is different. And so that is what we will see with, with prophecy. And that's sometimes what the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, how he speaks to us. Sometimes he will tell us what to do. And then he wants us to seek him more to find out how to do it, to get, the, get those details. Because what happens a lot, I've been guilty of this, you know, from when I was first saved, you know, until now of the Lord saying this. And I'm like, yes, right, running as fast as I can to get there. And then, and then I don't get there or I get there and I've messed everything up and have to go back and do it again because the spirit of counsel wanted to have a convo with me, right? Said, I'm going to tell you what, where you're going to go. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do and what I'm going to do through you. But these are the steps, and this is the timeline. And sometimes it's faster than I think, and a lot of times it's slower than I think. But that is why we really have to depend on the spirit of counsel for our wisdom. Jesus operated in it. As we look at the, at the menorah up here, that, that pastor really broke it down and explained. And, and I love my father-in-law. Um, he was raised Methodist. And so a lot of stuff that uh, he's learning here, he's learning for um, 78 years old. He's learning for the first time. Faithful man his whole life. Loved Jesus like, like nothing. A giving and loving, you know, I couldn't ask for a better, you know, father-in-law and he could probably ask for a better son-in-law, you know, but, but it just, just precious, but, the, but he's learning some things, and I can remember after pastor spoke on the menorah the first time, he's like, and there's a lot of history there. I didn't know, right, and so I hope that everybody, as you're learning something, that you take this, and then you, you lean into the spirit of counsel, you know, that, that center shaft there of the menorah, that, that you lean into the Holy Spirit to, to, to Jesus and say, help me, and I know you'll hear pastors say this all the time. What, what is the Spirit of the Lord saying to you today? Listen. And if you're listening and don't hear, seek some more. Build that relationship so much. It's not you always talking, but it's you asking and saying, I'm here, Lord, speak to me. Show me, show me what to do here so I, don't, so I don't mess it up. Show me the steps to take. And we'll find that. The spirit of counsel is so important. You know, most, uh, did anybody else buy a ticket for this last uh, one point? Was a $5 billion uh, lottery? Okay, come on. I bought one so you can raise your hand, right? Okay. All right. And I, I told Pastor, and it's like trying to convince God to let me win. I said, no, I cannot wait to write this tie chat, right? <laughs> one, you know, $100.25 million. Woo, we could do some things, right? So. You know, I hope you'd write that tie check first as well, right? But most lottery winners within two years are bankrupt. They go from wherever they're at to having the money 
the finances, and with that comes power, influence, freedom. But they don't know what to do with it because so, they, they haven't sought counsel on how to budget when they had made $30,000 a year. So now they have hundreds of, you know, well, there are billions of dollars. You know, I know the government takes half of it. I mean, it would be rough to have to live with $600 million or whatever it was, right? be rough. But they, they're going to manage that the same way they do the $30,000 a year or $60,000 a year, right? And so they equivalently had the same amount of debt, percentage debt, as it, when they had that hundreds of millions of dollars as they did with their regular wage because they didn't have the spirit of counsel to teach them, to listen to, to do that. So when we hear from the Lord, when someone comes up and says, ah, the spirit of the Lord is, I think it's telling me this, and maybe said something that you've been dreaming about, that, that the Lord has been speaking to you, and you think, yeah, that, that's it. Don't just rush to it. Lean into the spirit of counsel and let him speak. And that's what we're going to go into here. And it's so important that this menorah that is inside the tabernacle, you know, of all the creation, the world, the universe, the space, and, you know, us, all of creation took two chapters to talk about. And yet the temple took 50 chapters to talk about. And one of the great pieces in there, besides the Ark of the Covenant itself, where the presence of, of God dwelt, where the Holy Spirit was in the most holy place and, and dwelt above it uh, by, nay, by day by a cloud, and, and, they would, and Moses would go in there to meet with the Lord, that this spirit represented right here in that main center shaft, this Holy Spirit, 50 chapters to talk about. And let's read what scripture says about it. In Exodus, you could read the whole thing, but Exodus 25, I just want to read verse 31. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be a hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. Now, I read that many, many, many times when I, when I first studied this, and, and this stuck with me. And so when Pastor uh, brought this up, said, this is our series, this is what we're doing, this is where I want you to go, and, and gave each of us what we're going to, I was like so excited to talk about the menorah, to, to bring out the spirit of the council here, because the menorah, think about this. One, it's larger than you think, and it's heavy. Because they would take one solid piece of gold, think about this, about this high, about this wide, about so thin, one piece of gold, and they'd take a hammer, and they would chisel that thing. So when they was done, the picture of the menorah that you saw, it, you couldn't take it apart, you didn't screw it together, like you can go buy one at the store, you can take this off, put it here, take this off, it's one solid piece made out of solid gold that was hammered. And if we have any, you know, blacksmiths in here, you know, forgers in here, that is hard work. And that gold represents the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It represents who God makes you, the righteousness of God. And it's hammered. It's hammered just like Christ was beaten. It's hammered and it's shaped just like the Holy Spirit does to us after transformation. And that's why today with baptism is so exciting 
right, to see God starting to chisel and mold them into what he has called them to be. And we get an easy job. We just get to love them. We're going to love them where they're at and help them become all God has planned for them to be. But this one work, and why was it solid gold? Why was it so big? Why was it so heavy? Because it represents the cost of one human life. And what that means, you probably heard this in disability. You probably heard this in insurance talk and everything else. If, if someone gets, gets injured and, they, and then they sue, they have a, a formula that they have made up that for how much you make, you know, per year, for the lifespan of your life, that's what they give. That's also what this menorah represented. In its time, priceless. Priceless. The, the first ones, some 200 pounds. In today's were, uh, value, I think it's like at $2,400 per ounce. <laughs> I'm worth a lot. Right, and Brother Cliff, who, who preached so eloquently last week, right, he's just maybe a little more than me, maybe, <laughs> right, but solid gold from one piece of gold hammered out to make this menorah, center shaft, shaft Holy Spirit branching out representing the church, the seven churches that we'll read about in Revelation, the seven spirits of God, and guess what, you, when you become saved, the Bible calls you the church. You are the church. And we meet in this building. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Why? Because you've been bought and you've been paid for by a solid gold hammered out righteousness of God who shed his blood. And, and this is just a foreshadowing. If you go all the way back to creation, you go all the way back to, to Adam, when God formed him, created him, breathed life into him, and he named all the animals. And I mean, what a brilliant guy. Right? And, and I know one of this said, you know, there's some weird names like platypus. You know, and, and why when he, when he saw his helper, you know, that uh, he, he said woman. Right? And he said, well, hippopotamus is already taken. Okay, I'm joking. <laughs> I stole that. Okay. And uh, anyway, <laughs> Brunga, how do you make his help from the rib? Get this. Adam created. He put Adam to sleep. And from his side, he took out his helper. Holy, Holy Spirit name, helper. Woman, when becomes a wife, Hebrew, helper. Same as the Holy Spirit. Came from Adam's side. Holy Spirit shafted in the middle of the menorah. Branches come out. Helper. Holy Spirit shaft. Jesus. Out of the side of Jesus comes the church. Why? Because when he was standing on the, hanging on the cross, paying for all your sins, taking all that up on you, they took a, took a sword, jabbed it in the side, and pulled it out. And with the price of all of his blood that was shed, he bought you. And the water was divided. They said it came out blood and water divided that you could see the difference. He, he bought you. He made a way of salvation for you. And then he washed you clean with baptism. 
Amen. And that is why when he was baptized, we get to partake of that today. If you've done it before, you know how special it is. And we get to be part of that today. The menorah. It's beautiful. Perfectly and balanced in weight, in design. Perfectly symmetrical the way Christ would have it. So the spirit of counsel. If you look up counsel in, in the Hebrew, it's, it's going to mean the... God's strategic plan for your life. God's plan, his strategy, his, his, his guidance, right? Sometimes we think of counsel when you feel bad, you, even in the world, that people who aren't saved, they're saying, you know, I, I'm going to go get some, some counseling. And they'll go and they'll, they'll get some counseling. And sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Most of the time they don't if the counselor doesn't agree with their. If you're getting good counseling, they probably won't agree with you. Just keep that in mind. And it's not because you're wrong. It's just there's always a better way to get over and through your problem, to get over and through your healing. There, there's a better way through counsel. And that's what the spirit of counsel does. It We all need it. Even if everything is going right, you need the spirit of counsel. Isaiah 9, 6 for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Perfect good walking as we reapproach uh, celebrating Christmas, the, the birth of their son coming. A son is given, and get this, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And hopefully you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor talked about this. You know, during election, we was all getting ready to vote. And we know that no matter who we vote for, they can't save the world. Black Adam can't save the world. Superman can't save the world. There's only one person who could save the world. And his name is Jesus. And then the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called, and I love this. Now, depending on the translation you have, if you have the King James or if you have the NIV, the King James reads like this. And his name will be called Wonderful. I, already, I memorized this, but I memorized it in the NIV, and it's his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. There's one word without the comma. But in the King James, and I went, and I went back, and I thought, oh, that's why they put it there. So we can say, oh, he's so wonderful at this. I hope what you get today and come to a new revelation as, as you continue to grow in your relationship with, with Jesus and the spirit of counsel just ministers to you. He is just plain wonderful, right? And his name shall be called Wonderful, right? Instead of going to your wife and saying, you know what, you're a wonderful cook. Tell her, you're wonderful. And out of that wonderfulness comes this majestic cinnamon roll. <laughs> You see the difference, right? It's not what you do that makes you wonderful. It's just who you are. You are wonderful, okay? They call him wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Who wants some wonderful in their life? Right? I mean, just go through and say, ah, Lord, you're so wonderful, and I love you, and I'm experiencing it now, and you're, you're a counselor. I need wisdom. 
counsel me. Give me the strategy that only can come from you to help me do what I'm supposed to do. And oh, you're a mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. And Lord, in this crazy time during the holiday season where I walk up to grab something and somebody else grabs it first, right? And I just, I don't want to be around people. I want to shop online, but I love people. Give me Prince of peace. Let me experience your peace that only you can bring. Only you can bring in this this situation. And how do we do this? We go to Revelation. Old Testament to New Testament. Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to go fast. 7, 11, 17. He who has an ear... We do this. Just check. Just just check. You you got one, right? 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 <laughs> Some people got that. All right. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You, me, us. I will grant the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the church is that the one who overcomes will not be harmed by the second death. Verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone inscribed with a new name known only to the one who receives that. To the one who overcomes, he will give the hidden manna. Manna came from heaven in the Old, Old Testament, and they, they got their daily provision. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, I'm the manna. I'm the true manna. Your, your fathers ate the bread, but I'm the bread of life. I'm the manna of life. I'm the walking manna. You eat of me, you'll hunger no more because you will desire Nothing else to save you except me. I am the hidden man. And why is it hidden? Because when you're saved, when you come and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that spirit of counsel is within you. The revelation of what God you know, has for you comes to life. What was once hidden comes to light. And he says, I have a plan for you. It's good. It's to prosper you. It's not to harm you. It's to make you successful. Why? Because he wants you to know how good he is so you can tell the world and draw others to him, it's hidden to the world right now. It's up to us to reveal it. But we have to understand what that hidden manna has done for us. And then listen to what he wants to do in us and through us right now. Now the last four times in Revelation. Revelation 2, 29. And then chapter 3, 6, 13, and 22. They all say the same thing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Holy Spirit led John to write this down seven times. I think he wants us to listen. He wants us to listen. No matter how much we know, no matter how good we are at something. He wants us to listen. And then obey. Not to prove how worthy you are, because none of us are. Except he made us that way. But just to say, hey, do it this way and watch 
what I'll do through you. No matter who it brings. Sometimes it'll be someone you love that the Spirit will speak through. I mean, it's easy to receive from your pastor, right? Because I just already have it in me. He says it. He's right. We'll do it. Right? Don't mean I'll do it 100% right. And that's why he has to correct me, right? But my heart's there. The Holy Spirit is telling you, you're, you're not perfect. You're righteous, and you're going to be perfect because your body, when it's renewed, will catch up with the righteous that you are, and then you'll be perfect. But right now, just let that spirit of counsel speak to you. Listen to him. And really quickly, I want to go through and we're going to talk about a few examples of listening to the spirit of counsel. Because when we listen to that spirit of counsel and we fulfill what God has, and I mean, it's him working through us. It's him fulfilling it through us. Because we're listening and saying, okay, let, let, let's, let's, yeah, I, yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'll, I'll submit. Let you do it through me. Let, let's, let's do it. And when that happens, when that spirit of counsel, that truth is birthed inside of you, it cannot shake nothing. You cannot be shaken. You cannot be defeated because it's the blueprint of heaven that is now taking form in your life for, for your prosperity, for your success, for your joy, for your happiness. In other words, so you can see where you're at now and see that where you're going to be in eternity. And he'll walk you through each of those steps. And then pastor's going to come back and after the spirit of counsel and because it says counsel and might. And he has more to speak on mighty. Right? The counsel, the wisdom, and then the spirit of might comes and empowers you to complete whatever God has given you. Second Samuel 5. <clears throat> so many times I read this story and, and I thought, whoa, I missed it. So if you were smarter than me and caught it the first time because you listened to the spirit of counsel, amen. If not, you're going to learn with me. It's great stuff. Second Samuel 5, verses 17 through 25. talks about David defeating the Philistines. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force, their entire army. They left no fighters at home. In full force, they bankrupted their, their defense, their, their, their army, everything that they had. They came out to go kill David in search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. And I got caught up in that one. I had this song playing. I was like, oh. Yeah, right, I mean, strong. Jesus is my refuge and my strength. He is my dwelling place. All those who, who dwell in me, right? All these verses just kept coming to me. And I was like, oh, because I know when I'm in that stronghold. Come at me, bro. Right? Wear yourself out. Now listen. Now the Philistine had come and spread out in the valley of Raphaim. Raphaim. I listened to that, how to pronounce it. I still mess it up. So David inquired of the Lord. Right there, verse 19. He went to his hiding place. He went to the stronghold. And then he said, Lord. What do you want me to do? They're here to care me. The whole Philistine army is here to kill me. 
Now, it would have been easy for David to see him in the valley and say, let's go. Ain't lost the battle yet. Mm -mm. He inquired of the Lord. We know David made mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart. So the first thing he saw when he saw something scary, something dangerous. Because you know what, Dane? Danger is real. But fear is a choice. Danger approached, and instead of getting fearful, so David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Bel, Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as water breaks out, the Lord has broken out against my armies before me. So that place was called Bel Perazim, which means the God of breakthrough. That place, God broke through and won, fought for him, delivered his enemies into his hands. One victory. Get this, verse 21. How big of a victory was it? The Philistines abandoned their idols there. And David and his men carried them off. Now, as I was looking at this, I thought, how many times has God came in and delivered me from something that maybe I didn't realize was an idol in my life, but it was. An idol is anything that you're putting before the will of God. Anything that you're putting before God's plan that he has laid out for you. Anything that you're putting from achieving something that is going to bring God glory and honor. And I thought so many times that God would come in and let me out, yeah, right? That just leave those idols. They didn't work. Thank you, Jesus. Just go to the, everything good. Happens here. He abandoned their idols and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines, once more came up and spread out in the valley. Same valley. Same enemy. You could have very easily been like, oh, I beat them once. They come to my home court. Let's go do it again. So David inquired of the Lord. I hope you get this. King over nation, ruler, the, the, the power of the whole Israeli army behind him. Confident, good looking. He, he, he killed a bear, turned him inside out. He, he killed a, a lion, he killed a giant. He, he had all this confidence, David. But instead of just going out and fighting an enemy he had already defeated. In the same valley, he did what we shot. We, and see, I, we can all take this for granted. Oh, I've done this before. Yeah. Oh, I passed it for 20 years. I got this, Pastor. I did it wrong. <laughs> what? It's learning new things. Right? So, so confidence is great as long as it's confidence in the Lord. And David shows us right here. He, he, he inquires of the Lord. 
And he answered, the Lord answered, said, do not go straight up, but circle behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound, and this gets me excited, right? Before they went out and they just, just kicked their butt. This time he says, no, go around. You'll be behind them. And as you approach the forest, the poplar trees, poplar trees, you will hear the sound of marching. Now wait, they're waiting. They're here. They see their enemy on the other side of the trees. They're waiting, but they hear the sound of marching. The enemy isn't marching. The sound that they hear is the army of the Lord coming. Right? And what happens? The sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way to Gideon, Gibeon to Gezer. Same valley, same enemy, different plan because a different council, but the same outcome was victory. The Lord went before them and defeated the army. They just came in and got credit. When we receive the direct counsel from the Lord, you'll find that happening in your life. And, some, and it'll be in kind of in every area. Went hunting. Person that invited me had been there for three days. Hadn't got anything yet. I, I get there. He sees me show up and I walk around real far and take this big way to where I was going to sit. And he's sitting over here. He sees me. He videotapes me. And he sends a text. Hey, is this a 10-pointer? Is this a shooter? <laughs> right? I sit in my stand. I'm there 15 minutes. There comes this big 10-point buck. <clears throat> my trip's over. Talked with him. Every time I go, I see big bucks. He says, man, that's just the favor of the Lord. I said, you ought to get you some. How is that? It's not because I'm better than him. I mean, I'm better looking. <laughs> he would disagree. But I listen to counsel. I want to glorify God in everything I do, and I might mess up. But that's not my heart. My heart is to please him and seek that counsel and to do it right. Right? Because when I do it right, it, things just flow. Everything, everything starts to move in. We talk, talk about Moses, how the Lord, we gave the, the Exodus, you know, you know that story. And, and if not, then, then they was in bondage. Moses talked to, talked to Pharaoh. They wouldn't let him go. Ten plagues came. Finally, Pharaoh said, go. Real fast. Moses takes him. And, and then Pharaoh changes his mind, sends his army after him. They're like, oh, no. Right? He, he parts the sea. Mo, Moses leads them across or, or sits there. They all go across. He gets across. And then Pharaoh's army gets right in the middle of the sea. And the sea goes and kills all the army. They're delivered on their way to the promised land. What should have took them four days took them 40 years. They get to the border of the promised land that God had promised them. The border. They can see it. God says, Moses, you ain't going. And Moses like, look, it's beautiful. He says, yeah, but you're not going. 
I want you to pass your mantle here. And, and when you pass your mantle to, to Joshua, that, that he is going to take it and he's going to lead the people into the promised land. He says, okay. So, so God gives them this plan and, and tells them, you know, they sought the Lord and they listened to the Lord. He tells them, Joshua, this is, this is what I want you, you know, to do, right? I want you to hear me clearly so you can obey me completely. I want you, your hearing not to be obscured so you won't obey obscurely. I want you to please hear me clearly so you can walk out my plan specifically. I said the same thing three different times, okay? How do you do this? Moses this whole time had been mentoring and been guiding, had been, been pastoring and, and with, with the, the counsel of the Lord and everything. And, and Joshua was ready. So in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, it was early in the morning. Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shatim and went to the Jordan where they camped before the crossing. And three days, and I'd love to break down these numbers, all this kind of stuff. They camp there. And then go down to verse 4. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark of the Covenant. Do not go near it. Joshua told, he received the counsel. Joshua told the people, concentrate yourselves for tomorrow. And I think the Spirit of the Lord is telling us that to now to listen to the counsel Listen to the spirit of counsel. And, and, and what it means is con- prepare yourself for tomorrow. See, it's already today, in case you didn't know. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow. In other words, today, say, Lord, I just thank you for my salvation. And if you're not, we can take your salvation here at the end. I thank you for my salvation. I thank you that tomorrow that you're giving me the strength, that you're giving me the wisdom, that you're giving me the knowledge. You know, and I'm going to listen to your plan, the heavenly plan that you have for my life, and I'm going to step into it. I'm going to step in tomorrow victorious. Why? He says, concentrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Who wants some amazing things to start happening in their life? Who wants some amazing things to start happening inside you? Concentrate yourself. Go to the Lord. Lean into the counsel of the Lord and say, listen, I know you saved me. I know you call me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus no matter what I've done, no matter how I feel. I want to operate in that righteousness. I want to operate in that power. I want to operate in that truth. I want to walk out the plan that you have for my life. Oh, tell me how to do it. And that way tomorrow I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk in that victory. So Joshua tells the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass and go ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead. And the Lord said, Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. See, today the Lord will exalt you in the eyes of the world. They will see God operating in your life and thinking, what's different? They might hate you for it at first, but they're going to hate you because they feel that you're better than you, but you're not better than them. The one that's better lives in you. Right, but they will see it. That that light and darkness. The the what's going on? You know, the favor of the Lord is upon you. I've been out here. You know, I've come out here for weeks and weeks and weeks. Ain't got nothing. You show up. You're in your stand. Fifteen minutes. A boom. Amen. Need to close some deals like that. You just show up. The deal fall on your hand and and get those deals. Your property like that. Just show up. Boom. Right. Businesses like that. Opportunities like that. Man, I can look around and just start seeing things, you know, that God has done in, done in your lives. 
I wonder what kind of business I should have. One that makes a Red Bull slushy. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody knows who that is. See? Marketing works. Anyway, <laughs> right? Counsel of the Lord. Tell the priest, carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go in and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, you know a river, is it called a river even if there's no water in it? Okay. Joshua said, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all the Etites. Okay, and we'll skip down to verse 11. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Once again, just like David, the spirit of the Lord went in before them, won the victory. The spirit of the Lord is going to go before them once again, getting ready to cross this Jordan River that is at its flood stage during this time. Too wide to walk across, too deep to walk across, dangerous to swim across. Go get this. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the I'll slow down. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, and I love in this chapter, just keep saying that. And just remind yourself of that all the time when you're doing things and you pray, you know. It's not that you're telling me he knows who he is. He has no confidence problems. Okay? He is God. He knows it. But he knows when, when I say, you know, you're the one true living God. I'm acknowledging that. But I'm not acknowledging what that one true living God is doing in me. You're the righteous. You're the righteous one and you've made me righteous. You're the holy one and you've made me holy. You're the strong one and you took my weakness and made it strong. You've done all this. Set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan, see, is at flood stage. Let's skip down. Verse 16, Jordan's at front stage, flood stage. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up into a heap. Ooh, so much I want to go. Piled up into a, to a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. Jesus was the second Adam. First Adam. Pushed back the water all the way to Adam. In the vicinity, in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. Didn't walk across mud, dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. I get to say cross over into the promised land. And the first battle that they fight is Jericho. They had the army. They could have said, let's go. Let's, let's take down these walls. Let's, let's break them down. Let's crash in it. Let's crash the door down and go fight. But he sought the Lord and said, Lord, how are we going to do this? Okay, well, long story short, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and walk around the city and come back. And I want you to go walk around the city again. 
Why don't you go out and walk around the city and come for seven days. And then on the seventh day, go out and walk around the city seven times. And at the end of your seventh time, just whoo-hoo, boom, walls come down. They win the victory. They would have only won that victory by listening to the counsel of the Lord. In 2 Kings 2, 1 through 17, I'll just tell you the story. Elisha, Elijah, a great prophet, followed the Lord's counsel and he walked by Elisha and he saw him and he walked up, he threw his cloak on him and said, come follow me. He burned his livelihood, his plow that he was plowing, he burned it up. The bulls that was pulling it, he killed, he sacrificed his livelihood and he he says, I'm following you. So he followed Elijah, who if you go through, he, he 14 awesome, great, mighty victories that Elijah won for the Lord. Elisha saw all this. And as it was getting time, the counsel of the Lord spoke to, to Elijah and said, hey, I'm getting ready to take you. Be prepared. Chariots of fire are going to come down and pick you up and bring you to me. He tells this to, to Elisha and, and the other prophets heard it and they, they were following him, learning. And, and they, they told Elisha, said, hey, you know your master's getting ready to go to heaven. Yes, I know. Now shut up. Don't talk to me no more. And he had to do that three different times. And, and each time that Elijah started to go out somewhere, he'd tell Elisha, hey, you stay here. I got to go. And Elisha knew the anointing so much. Elisha knew that God was working through him so much and that, that he wanted to be just like his rabbi, just like his prophet, just like his teacher, and said, no, I know what the Lord does through you, and I want God to work in me the, the same way, just like you. And Elisha said, stay here. And he said, no, you know, <laughs> as God is God, and as I am alive, I'm following you no matter what. And so came, and three different times he tried to say, stop. And he wasn't trying to get rid of Elisha. He wanted Elisha to know his own heart. So many times we'll say, yeah, we'll do it. And we don't. So he follows, and sure enough, he hears the sound, and here comes the, the chariot coming down, and, and it takes Elijah and whoosh, takes him up, right? And before he went, he says, okay, ask me one thing. What do you want before I go? He said, I want a double portion of your faith. I want to double what God has done in you. You have listened to the counsel of the Lord so well and, and, and changed the world in this area. I want to be just like you, but I want a double portion of that. Imagine the faith that he had in the God that worked through Elijah to say, I know what you got, now I want twice that. Right? I want to do twice as much for the Lord. You did 14 great awesome miracles and it's been a ride, but this world needs more. I, I want a double portion. The chariot's going, whoo, takes him away. And he's like, whoo, right? And they said, hey, should we go look for him? Oh, you can look, but you won't find him. And he tells them no. And they kept begging. He said, okay, go look. They confirmed what he already knew. He went to heaven. So he takes up the mantle that Elijah had dropped and he walked over and he touched that same Jordan River. 
that Joshua took them over into the promised land. They were baptized. The water parted and they went through the water into the promised land. Elijah was on this side, cross over to this side. So he'd be on the same side as when Joshua led them into the promised land. And that's where he, he left his mantle for Elisha to pick up in the same spot. He, he touched it in the same spot and the same river parted all the way back. And he said, ooh, surely. Right? He says, oh, where is the God? Of Elijah. Same God. Same river. Same promised land. Walk through the same baptism. The crossover prophets, they call them. Walked into that victory because of wise counsel. Everybody please stand. There's a lot of things in in your lives. That God is speaking to you right now. Maybe it's debt. Maybe it's fear of the economy. The upcoming recession. The wars that are that are that are, are happening. The tensions between countries that are that are increasing. Maybe it's a hurt and a pain because someone did something really bad to you. Maybe it's something that you've done to them. Maybe it's just you're not where you're at in life. But you are here today. And you're here today, whether you know it or not, the Spirit drew you here. You might have woke up and not felt like coming, but it was a routine, so you came. Know that God brought you here. And you are here today because that Spirit of of the Lord, the Spirit of counsel, wants to speak to you. He wants to show you the blueprint of heaven for your life. He wants to show you how much he loves you. He wants to show you the plan that he has for your life. Because we know the story, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That unto you a son is given. A son is birthed. And the same son grows a perfect life and, and he dies a perfect death. And he raised it and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And the, the accuser cannot accuse you anymore to the Father because Jesus is right there. And trust me, when Jesus speaks, no matter how loud Satan is yelling from this earth, the Father doesn't hear. And the advocate says, yeah, I love him too, and I die for him too. And the Father says, I know, thank you. And yes, yes, my daughter, what do you need? Yes, my son. That spirit of counsel wants to speak to you and show you what he wants to do in and through you. So whatever that thought was that came to your mind, that you say, you know, God, this is what I want you to do in and through me today. But God, I, want, I don't want it to be my idea. I want to hear your plan for my life. So the Spirit of the Lord, what are you saying to me today? I want to walk across the water. I want to be baptized. I want to walk in that fullness and newness, knowing that you're working in me and through me. Counsel me, Father. Father God, we love you and we praise you. Lord, and right now, I just wrap my arms around them and I present them all to you. And as they stand before your throne, as they stand there and they're consumed by your glory and your grace. 
Let them hear your voice. Let them lean into the spirit of counsel. And may they walk in the victory in which you have called them to walk. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.